0: In times of crisis, one of the most popular mottos has been, united we stand, divided we fall. One of Aesop's fables called the four oxen and the lion illustrates the meaning of this motto. Aesop Aesop tells the story of a lion that used to prowl around in a field where four oxen grazed. The hungry lion wanted to eat the oxen, but whenever the lion came near, the oxen would pull together and their tails would come together so that no matter which way the lion approached them, he would be facing their horns. One day though, the oxen uh, started crawling among themselves and they divided and went into separate parts of the field. Noticing they were all alone, the lion attacked and killed them one by one. When they were united, They were able to stand firm against the lion, but divided they fell. Jesus used a similar phrase in the New Testament. In Mark chapter 3, verse 35, Jesus said, If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom will not stand. He said, If a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. Jesus understood the negative. Uh, effect of division. He knew that if a nation, uh, there was a civil war in a nation, that nation would divide. He knew that if there was fighting and quarreling in a home, uh, a, a marriage in a home would be divided. In today's text, we see that unity takes work. This was Paul's message to the church in Ephesus. And in Ephesians 4, verses 4 through 6, we see several reasons why the church should be united. Beginning in verse 4, we read, There is one body, one church, and one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Jew and Gentile. Male and female, slave and free, every believer is united by one and the same spirit. One hope, Lord, faith, baptism, and God and Father of all. The church in Ephesus had plenty of reasons to be united, but their unity was under attack. One of the threats they faced came from crafty and deceitful individuals who are spreading lies for their own personal gain. These schemers, as Paul called them, influenced those outside and inside the church. Paul addressed this problem in Ephesians chapter 4 in verses 14 and 15, where he writes, We are no longer to be tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into Him who is the head, even Christ. Staying focused on the truth in a city full of crafty, deceitful, scheming individuals wasn't easy. In the book of Acts, we learned that Ephesus was a hot spot for uh, magicians and, and idol uh, sellers. These two groups falsely claimed they were doing good in helping people. Uh, Magicians set up shops in the marketplace to sell their magic scrolls and their bracelets and necklaces. And idol makers set up shops to sell their handmade idols. Both groups had crafty and believable sales pitches uh, designed to convince the people they were really helping society. In Ephesians 4.17, Paul also told believers to make sure they didn't revert back to their old ways like the Gentiles, who walked in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the darkness of their heart. Paul called believers in Ephesus to maturity in the faith. He called them to humbly learn God's word and humbly speak the truth in love. The church in Ephesus was in a spiritual battle. The world they lived in, their own humanity, and the devil's influence were all against them. These are the same enemies that we face today that are striving to tear us apart. Fortunately, God has not left us defenseless. He has given us the instructions we need to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. One of those first instructions is found in Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 3, where we are called to walk in all humility. There, Paul writes Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience. Showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. In verse 1, Paul draws attention to the fact that he is a prisoner of the Lord, reminding the saints who is giving him his marching orders and who is giving them their marching orders. Reminding the saints who he is trying to please and who they should be trying to please. In verse 2, Paul implored the saints to walk with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. The word employ or entreat means to pull to one side. You can almost picture Paul pulling each individual believer away from the crowd into himself and not requesting but pleading with them To walk in all humility. Paul never said it would be natural. He never said it would be easy, but he said it was necessary and it was possible. Paul also knew some believers were more mature than others. He knew temptation and disagreement would come, but he also knew God's people must and could stick together. Paul wasn't suggesting the church tolerate sin, he was simply encouraging the church to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. As God's people, we need to humbly work together for God's purposes. We are in a spiritual war with Satan and his adversaries, not with each other. Paul called the church in Philippi to unite as well. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, Paul said, Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Patrick Henry was a great hero of American independence. He's most famous for his declaration, give me liberty or give me death. In March of 1799, he gave his last public speech in an effort to protect future generations from a government with too much power. According to historical records, Henry held his hands together and swayed unsteadily as he spoke. He was old and he was sick, but George Washington convinced him to come out of retirement and give this speech. In his speech, he said, let us trust God in our better judgment to set us right hereafter. United we stand, divided we fall. Let us not split into factions which must destroy that union on, upon which our existence hangs. At the end of Henry's message, he fell into the arms of bystanders who carried him away to a place where he could rest. Two years later, he died. As a church, let's make sure we trust God in our better judgment. Let's not split into factions and destroy the unity that we possess in Christ Jesus. Let's continue to strive together for the faith of the gospel. There is more at stake than peace, harmony, and good health. The gospel and our salvation is at stake. Now is not the time to abandon the gospel or to abandon one another. Paul gave a second instruction to the church for preserving the unity of the spirit, and that was to keep using their gifts to serve one another. Beginning in verse 7 of chapter 4 of Ephesians, Paul writes, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift, Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now, this expression, he ascended, what does it mean, except that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all the heavens, so that he might fill all things. And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. Before Christ returned to heaven, he gave gifts graciously to every believer. He also gave the church gifted leaders who could preach the good news and teach the saints how to live godly lives. The early church was built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ as the chief cornerstone. Once the New Testament was complete, uh, those offices ended, and God provided new leadership through evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Evangelists traveled preaching and explaining the good news. Pastors, who were also called elders, taught and shepherded believers in the local church. These leaders and teachers were responsible for equipping the saints. The word for equipping means fit or complete. It often used to describe the setting of a bone, so a bone could be healed and restored. Several years ago, I uh, broke my femur, and it has since healed very well, but uh, there are still uh, certain problems that I have with that injury. I have to continually work out my shoulder and my elbow and uh, keep them stretched out in Christ our sins have been forgiven but the effects of sin still linger we need ongoing Holy Spirit guided therapy training and encouragement to help us overcome sin and live for Christ we need mentors and teachers to walk with us and help us understand God's word the church today needs every believer to do their part and use their gifts to build up the body of Christ. As verse 16 says in Ephesians 4, each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Every believer has an important role to play. Simon Peter uh, encouraged the saints with the same message in 1 Peter 4, 7-10. He said, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. This is our calling and our responsibility as God's people to keep fervently loving one another without complaint, to keep showing others God's grace and the unity and peace that's available in Christ Jesus. We have a family in our church that's going through a long, drawn-out building project that should have been completed months ago. When they see work and progress being done, they are encouraged. But when that progress comes to a halt, It's very discouraging. A Christian who isn't helping others learn and grow is like an abandoned building project that has been left unfinished. When we help others learn and grow, we grow. And we produce fruit that unites and builds up the body of Christ. A third and last instruction I want to look at that Paul gives for preserving the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace is to make sure we remain teachable. How long should we be equipped and trained by gifted leaders in the church? Months? Years? Paul gives us the answer in verse 13 where he writes, Until we all attain to the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Paul knew the church was not completely united in the faith. He knew the church had a limited understanding and knowledge of Jesus Christ. He knew that maturity was an ongoing process. In this context, unity of the faith had to do with the whole body of truth and doctrine that Christ ushered in and that could be found in the scriptures. This included beliefs about God, Jesus Christ, salvation, baptism, prayer, and a host of other things. God's word provided all the instructions they needed to live for Christ. It provides all the instructions we need to live for Christ. Instructions on marriage, employment, child rearing, health care, discipline, punishment, the purpose of government, responsibility of citizenship, civil disobedience, church authority, and on and on it goes. Christ did not leave us empty-handed. We must continue to learn God's word and apply his word to the challenges life brings our way. Growing in our knowledge and understanding of God's word will inevitably end to unity, peace, and spiritual maturity. One of the most frustrating parts of the news these days has been conflicting messages on the severity of the coronavirus. I've heard everything from just treat it like the flu and to to don't leave your house absolute truth is hard to find. Unfortunately, we often treat God's word the same way. Just because people don't agree on the meaning of God's word doesn't mean there isn't absolute truth, doesn't mean that God's word isn't absolute truth. The problem is oftentimes we're not willing to work together to find it. We read a few verses and then we quickly jump to conclusions that may or may not be accurate or right. We need to work together and grow in our understanding of God's word. Michael Jordan, one of the greatest basketball players of all time, once said, I was like a sponge. Even if I thought my coaches were wrong, I tried to listen and learn something. My greatest skill was being coachable. We the church need to remain coachable. We need to remain teachable. If you get offended when someone tries to teach you something you already know, you might be unteachable. If you pretend you already know what's being taught even when you don't, you might be unteachable. If you can't take instruction from those in lower positions, you might be unteachable. If you feel certain tasks are beneath you so you don't want to learn them, you might be unteachable. If you try to one-up the one-giving instruction by proving you know more than they do, you might be unteachable. We must remain teachable. We must remain students of God's word. If you want to obey God's word and preserve the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace, walk with all humility. Use your gifts to build up the body of Christ and remain teachable. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to just thank you for being our God. And during times like this, when uncertainty seems to prevail, Lord, we... We thank you that uh, we know you are still in control. And Lord, but we do want to lift up our leaders. We want to pray for our governing officials. We want to lift up our president. We pray that you will give them the wisdom to know uh, how to bring closure to all these uh, steps we've taken to ensure uh, the safety of Americans. We pray that you'll uh, guide us as a church, as your people, Help us to find ways in the midst of this to minister to one another, to love one another, uh, to continue to grow in our understanding of your word. And Lord, we submit this all into your hands, asking your blessing through your son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.